Oh yes, oh yes, oh my, oh my, pretty good, pretty good, pretty neat, pretty neat. Welcome back to Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television, Forcewood Cup 2018 edition. I'm your host, Pat Renwick, and uh, sitting next to me is, uh, is a guy who is no stranger to danger. They, they call him the uh, theologist of the thermocline. <laughs> they also call him the, uh, the, the rent-a-friend. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, ladies and gentlemen, please give a loud studio audience round of applause for the one and only Mr. Scott Suggs right here. <laughs> That's Mr. Scott Suggs. Yes. And, of course, Ryan Popcorn Whitaker. You got the yeah. rent a friend, right? The, the, <laughs> Scott, dude, well, it, it's, it's awesome to see you again. Hey, it's awesome to see you guys, but, you know, hey, under a different circumstance, instead of getting to fish this cup, I'm sitting here and having to be indoors and just it, sit around. It's, it's kind of, you know, watching these weights out there on the lake, watch, watch, you know, watch, watching everything going on and having a knowledge of a body of water like I've got and everything of this place, it's really hurt me because uh, um, I felt before this would never even happen that this would be a tough one and might would be a fun one to make sure you make and it's kind of heart disheartening dude it is but this is the first question i have to ask you and this is a vicious rumor that that's going around right now that actually you still have the majority of your million dollar winnings buried in mason jars (laughs) under your trailer on Lake Wachita. Is that true or false? Uh, I still have the majority of it, but it's not under my trailer at Lake Wachita because that'd be a dead giveaway. It, it, is, not, it is not buried underneath the trailer whatsoever. Oh, <laughs> so no. we just put a, we put a nix to those vicious rumors. Scott's money is not there, so please stay away from his trailer. We are, we are asking you, Bass Fishing Universe, to stay away from Scott's stuff. Well, here's the main reason. I own the trailer, but the core engineer owns the spot <laughs> That it's sitting on. I'm not giving them any more than I have to. Yeah, so don't don't be digging because there might be an ancient Indian burial ground under right. under there too. Do you know what Wachita means in Indian? What's that mean? I'm going to educate you right now. I'm I'm, I'm willing to listen. Wachita means fertile hunting ground. Well, it, it is very fertile hunting fertile ground. hunting ground. Wonder why they didn't name it very fertile fishing ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea, but, I, I mean, I figured you'd know that. No, I didn't know that. I, what my deal is is everybody that caught, you know, what I get the biggest kick out of is listening to people all over the country pronouncing it. Wachita? Ochita, Ochita, Ochita. Wachita. Yeah, Wachita. You know, at Taco Bell, you can get a Wachita con queso Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah, nacho fries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, it's, that that is pretty cool, though. I like that history. Yeah, it's her, it's fertile hunting grounds right right now. Perfect. Wait, well, wait, these are. I don't know how fertile it seems, but it's hunting grounds right now. By the looks of those weights, it's tough. But those are yeah. people that are mad at me because I told them your money was buried under the trail. <laughs> oh, they're, okay. They're actually trying to go there now while you were on on this show right now. <laughs> but no, bittersweet, dude. I mean, if if anybody knows Lake Wachita, it, it's you, Scott Suggs. And I mean, and you you spent plenty of time here. Um, is it always this tough this time of year? I mean, is that the deal, or what's going on? No, it's always tough, but you know what's made right? it really tough is that people that are away from here that doesn't see what's going on, we have had a 100-plus-degree days with heat index and stuff for so long all the way through the summer. Our summer started in May this year. I mean, it's really been hot. 
Um, our water temperatures were in the 80s by the end of May, and it's never that way. And uh, so we've had a crazy summer, and then right here during these guys' practice, we get two to three days of rain, heavy cloud cover. I mean, a fisherman's dream. And then yesterday, before dark, it clears out, gets sunny, gets bright, and then it goes right into today. High pressure. And it's high pressure, and these guys got hit right square in the face with the worst possible conditions you can get in August. I mean, and so it's really made it, it's really made it tough on these guys. So, I mean, historically – summertime fishing is always a tough beast to conquer i mean and, that's and, right okay so sure there's that scenario where you can get a, into some schooling fish yep. okay sure there's that scenario but i think the real deal is as that's that's seems to be coming to fruition here also is that um it is just five bites if i get five just five bites right you know i'm yep. not talking about you know yeah five of the right bites i mean i might be talking about mm-hmm. five bites it's coming. and you know and that's the deal and you know i think a bunch of these guys banked and this is from past experience on this body of water and these ozark lakes and these lakes around this you know arkansas and missouri and stuff this morning another thing these guys were hit with right square in the face was heavy fog right heavy fog and when you're on a clear water lake and you're out there and you've got fish schooling and you're on you it's heavy foggy the topwater bite is next to impossible. It is. And I know that's what blows people away. They don't understand that. But it's it's just like us trying to run around in fog. It really messes with your depth perception. And it's the same way. Same for I mean, fish. A fish. A fish is looking straight into this fog, you know, from down below. And it really, so I think a bunch of the guys that were banking on that going to catch them a quick limit this morning and get that five you're talking about, go fish for a big one. I think they got slapped this morning. They did, you know, hey, it backfired on them. And what's going to happen now, it's going to be the person who knows when to go to the bank, when to get off of the bank, and it's going to be, that person that makes the right key little decisions right down to the end of this event, but also it's going to be the last 10 guys that fish this tournament are, will have no fingernails Monday morning, even the winner. It's that much of a nail biter. <laughs> That's, it's a trimmer. It's, it's, it's exactly It's right. the old trimmer. So, like, for example, I think uh, what when, uh, when Brad Knight won this deal, on this lake he was back in a creek wasn't he he was in he was back in a creek and i mean that was one of them deals i kind of predicted that you know to be one out of that creek that fish had great uh, that creek had great numbers of bass in it at that time but what happened is the pressure came the high pressure like this and everything he did figure that deal out he figured out certain logs and everything and it was a timing deal and that's the biggest deal when it's to anything when you're on a timing pattern and you miss that timing just a little bit, it can ruin your whole tournament. If you hit that timing right on the head each and every time, you do like Brad Knight did, and you win the you win the Forestwood Cup. <laughs> exactly. Is this one of those deals where the most mentally strong guys are going to do the best? Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily. It's going to be the guys. Yeah, probably you're probably right because the guys that have the patience, the guys that have the confidence in one thing or two things, and they're totally – it's totally in their head. That's what they're doing. That's what they're going to – no matter what happens, 
That's what they're going to do. And that's when you're locked into something like that. And I'll tell you, a prime ex- a person that comes to mind is Mark Rose. Sure. Super yeah. hard-headed. Oh, super yeah. wants to hit a – wants to drag a Carolina rig, wants to hit a hard spot, wants to hit a brush pile. And he knows when that timing's right and he hits that right one, he can fish all day with two bites. He can get ten bites in five minutes. And we always right. talk about timing, though. But this is what I don't get about timing. Or, or maybe I, I do get it, and I just need it clarified. But we, we always say, oh, when you get, like you talked about Brad Knight, it was the timing deal, okay? You're talking about Mark Rose, the timing deal. How do you, as a professional angler, figure out what that time is? Is that from process of elimination and what happens in practice, or is it just, <clears throat> what is it? Well, what the deal is, is like a morning you've had this morning and a last week you've had and everything of all this cloud cover and this rain and everything we've had. These fish are out were in Brad's situation. They were out on a big creek flat and they were schooling. They were, they were strode. They were spread out. Mark on a river channel swings and different things on a river ledge. Uh, those fish are spread out. They've been schooling and everything. These people, these guys get bluebird sky. They know. Those fish are going to go to cover somewhere and hold tight. Brad's situation was some logs on a shallow flat. He was able to catch them. Mark's situation, he's looking at some rock piles or brush piles. And it's basically what we said, having the confidence, knowing that when these fish bunch up and these fish move around on these ledges and they get in that right spot and you make that right cast and you fire them up, it's quick, fast, and in So a timing not, might not necessarily be a time a specific time but waiting it out until Mm -hmm. that time basically the timing is when they when they group and they pull up on that certain spot if your timing is right with theirs or if you're patient enough to sit there all day till that timing happens that's what i'm saying boom okay so that's the matter of timing like you have to have as as ryan said that mental toughness and confidence in conjunction with that to know that at some point they're going to pull up on that ledge. Right. They're going to pull up on them yep. logs in that flatter. Right. They're going to be on that brush pile. But that's that's the tough animal. Patience. That's, that's it. That's the tough nut to crack right there. That's Scott. it. I that's mean. it. And that's the thing about it. You've got to have that person that's got that mindset so strong. Listen here. The Forestwood Cup. You don't remember who won second last year. You don't remember who won second the year before. This thing is about one thing. You can win it the first day, or you can't win it the first day, but you can lose it. Sure, we hear that all the time. But that is a chance you have to take. No matter what happens, you have to go with your confidence, and that's what you have to do, and that's what the Mark Roses and them are doing. That's what Brad Knight did, and Brad come through and won. That's what everybody that's won stuck with their guns, and it comes out in the end they're in their favor. The only second-place finisher I remember is Aaron Martins, always. He's the yeah, mo- well. Yeah, he's the most famous yeah, second-place finisher. Aaron Martins said he's in the National Geographic. I mean, he's in the Guinness's Book of World Records for seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that's why he's the most. So it doesn't matter what tournament it is. When, when we think of second place, there it's always go. going to be Aaron. That's it. Yeah, Aaron. There's mm-hmm. no other person. I mean, no whatsoever. doubt. No doubt. I mean. I, I think he instead of a big S on his shirt for Superman, he ought to get the big two. The, the yeah. two, and two. even the cape with yeah. the big two on the, it. No, the cape should have a question mark on yeah. the back. Yeah, it's yeah. a question mark. <laughs> and then right below the question mark, ND. Sack. Oh, it's outstanding. You talked about the big bites. Okay, catching the five, looking for the big bites. Sure, the goal of any tournament fisherman. If you were out there. 
right now, Scott Suggs, and you had to bank on a big bite, what would you do? What would you particularly do to look for that big bite? I would have a, I would be on the lower end of that lake. There's a lot of hydrilla and it's not super duper tall, but it's, it's got a good deep outside edge to it. 17, 18 feet. And if I went and was fortunate enough to catch a limit, find me some spots somewhere, do whatever to catch me a little bit, to give me a little confident builder, I would go straight and I would run as many of those grass places as I could possibly run highlighting stuff, whether there's a dip in it, a point of it, a bald spot on top of it, you know, ambush points on these spots. Gotcha. And I would run as many as I'd look on my GPS and I'd look on the mapping on my Navionics. I'd line up and pick out as many of those as I could. 90% of the time when I'm over here fishing and I hit these highlight spots, I get my bite in the first seven or eight casts. You're going to run the percentage spots and that's fish it. the dots. You're and I'm going to that's it. And I'm going to make seven or eight casts. You're going to get that bite quick. I'm going to throw a big Texas rig worm. I like a Berkeley power worm and red bug, and I'm going to rock the old and roll. Red bug. That's it. Red I'm bug rock or plum? And roll. You can't beat that. That's one. it. When I was here, I caught them on plum. When I won before, I caught part of them on plum. And but that percent high percentage point is exactly right. And I'm going to make seven or eight casts, and I'm gone. Boom. That's it. There it is. Keep moving, looking for the one bite. That's right. The one bite. Scott, th- let me ask you this question here. Do you, and this is a, this is a tough question, and also uh, I must confess it's a loaded question. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just giving you fair warning right there. Perfect. Yes. I love those. <laughs> so what do you enjoy fishing more as far as a competitor's standpoint? The FLW tournaments or like when you're on Major League Fishing? What is more enjoyable to you? As an angler, that's as a, a professional good, angler. That's a good question because I love both of them, and I'm going to answer them in two different ways if that's okay. Absolutely. But the FLW, what the thing about the FLW is we have so many more tournaments, and you fish for something as big and powerful as a forced wood cup. Gotcha. And so that, that, that just drives you the whole entire year. The thing that I like about the major league fishing, and I dearly love it, is the competition in the boat competition, knowing what every angler's catching, knowing what's going on. I mean, it's it's you're you're in this major league tournament and you know exactly what John's got over here or Joe Blow's got over mm-hmm. here. You're and so you it changes the way you fish. Instead of coming to this tournament right here with a game plan, you've practiced for four days for this Forest Wood Cup, and you know exactly how you're going to fish it and have no clue what anybody else has got. I go out in Major League. I try running a topwater for a while, and I'm listening to the weights, and they're staying real low and everything. Well, hey, I got time to go try this now. Let's go try this till you can get on something that's strong and you can keep rocking and rolling. And I think what it's done over a period of time not only does it test your heart and you don't have to go get stress tests at the, at the heart hospital or anything because you're getting them in the boat, um, you're also, it makes you way, way more versatile. And the more versatile you are, the better fisherman better you become. better you're going to be. That's right. 100%. Yep. Do you, um, did you watch any of the uh, world championship on, on CBS? I did not get to. I was at a bass open in New York. Okay, gotcha. That's, that's right there. You're at, up at Champlain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... What I I watch it. I'm a bass fishing freak. I watch everything about right. bass fishing. I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely yeah. love bass fishing. And 
one thing that was kind of puzzling to me, and maybe you could help clear this up for me, was that they had anglers, and I'll name names, Mike Iconelli, Greg Hackney, uh, on the show, and they said, quote, unquote, this is the most prestigious and sought-after award in professional bass fishing, the World Championship Cup. Now, I don't necessarily know where that came from or necessarily agree with it. It's a huge honor. It's very prestigious. But 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 how does that happen? Well, that's a hard question to answer because, I mean, you could have a FLW world champion. I was one of them. Right. You can have a Bassmaster Classic world champion, and then you have a Major League Fishing world champion. And that's basically how you can really break it down. Everybody looks at it as being in the whole entire world the best angler. The way I break it down is the way I just said it. And, and, and believe that's why I ask you, because yeah. I, I think that, that to me there are, are three now that's right. most prestigious awards that's right. in, in professional bass fishing. Right. There is the Forest Wood Cup, there is the Bassmaster Classic, and now there is the World yeah. Championship yeah. Uh, uh, um, of Major League Fishing. Yeah. That's why I, I don't think that you can say that it's there is a most prestigious award. There's not of any group. I don't think that. I'm the same way as you. It's a world champion of that category is the yeah. way I look at it. I mean, I won one of the cups, too, in Major League. And let me back up and tell you one thing that it does do. I've been fortunate of the three. I've won a championship in two out of the three divisions we're talking about. And does one of them get more prestige, more exposure? By far, the my major league cup championship took me further than in the industry than anywhere I've ever been before. And I even won really? a million in a major league. You know, I mean, in a in a Wood cup. cup. Yep. Wow. So I mean, it took me. Head and heels beyond anything that I've ever done before by major league. So, there's the prestige there. Yes, it is incredible. There is it. What considered the top anglers in the world? I'd like to say so. Sure, um, of course. It and is. so, you know, that's just that's that's a. I'll call. I'll tell you what. The question you asked me, I've kind of beat around answering it and everything. <laughs> it's a wide open question. It's a, it is a loaded question, but it's, it's just a hard one to answer. Sure, and absolutely it is. But I will, I will give you this now. And, and then again, Major League Fishing has given you, as you kind of stated too, Scott Suggs, an opportunity to expose yourself more to the fishing public. I mean, it really has. We always talk about platforms in in fishing. We just had Mark Jeffries on before you, and and we were talking about different platforms and levels of opportunity for for professional anglers. And Mm -hmm. the coverage, the television coverage, um, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I I followed your career for years, but until I saw you on Major League Fishing, that's kind of when the light bulb went off with me. I'm like... Suggs is a pretty cool dude, you know. <laughs> well, you we showed know, your personality. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the thing about it. That's what Major League is has done. Not, I mean, for every each and every angler that's a part of it, it gives you a, 
it, it exposes you so much more. And here's the deal. The exposure, the TV time, and what Major League Fishing has done for myself and for the others that are involved compared to the other two in a whole entire career in each one is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, they're head and heels above it all. Hands down. It's, Hands a, it's down. exposing it Hands to down. the masses. That's right. To, to the masses. No no doubt about it. No no doubt about it. That's and, right. And, and uh, I, I think that we all see amazing things coming from Major League Fishing oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. in the future. Yeah, but, and it will. And, I mean, that's the only room for exposure. But, hey, here's the other thing. You know, you've got to have, just like if you were, if you had Ford trucks and no other trucks out there. Right. I mean, they would own the market and, and, and it would be their way or the highway. Yeah. The more we have in competition, the better it is for you guys. You know, what you guys do for the fishermen, for the, for the sponsorships, for just the whole, just for everybody total. The more competition you have, the better it is for all of us. So yep. having all three of them, I feel like we're at a great time in this sport. Yeah, and, it, and it's I evolving. Hope, I, I mean, I, I support them all. And, and it, there, it leaves, in my opinion, it leaves growing room. Exactly. You know, yeah, it, so exactly. there's no stagnation. It allows growing room in the sport. And it keeps competition between the three of them to get better and better and do more and do more. And I feel that it will, you know, if we have this big happy bass family, okay, it will still channel more. Let's be frank about it. It's going to channel more money into the bass fishing community. That's right. Via expenditures. That's right. By the consumer. Yep. Okay, which is a good thing for everybody, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just I'm just being being straight straight up about it. There's a That's lot. Right. Of, I mean, there's, and I'm trying to think of a proper way to phrase this. Um, there, there's a lot of money being taken away from professional anglers mm-hmm. because of some things going on in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of 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 money or exposure being taken away. Um, from sources of of media mm-hmm. um, in the bass fishing industry right now, I, I, including a show, an internet show like this, right. um, because of the dawn of the social media angler. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. That's right. So, and ultimately, and this may not make sense to many people listening or watching right now. But I think that a, a conglomeration of a big, happy bass family universe with an addition of more professional fishing leagues will expand that fact to channel the money and the energy to the proper sources. And I think you're seeing right. that time coming. Yeah. I, I, I'm, it's time. But like I said before, and I mean, and I'll say it all the way through, I support them all. I fish something in all three different bass flw and major league and you know like you said i see it in each different one of what's of exactly how you just worded it and there is a time that it all needs to come together it needs to be channeled as you know back the way it should be right and and i'm Mm -hmm. and we need to see things that we've never seen before and 
you know, hopefully one day we will see that. And, and I think we will. And so I'm like you're saying, I'm change is good. And I'm always looking for change. Exactly. And, and people, change is also scary, but change is, is for, for most part, it can be very good. That's right. And here's what I would hope for as a bass fishing fan and someone who interviews professional bass anglers. I would hope that, and especially for you professional anglers, that there might be some sort of correlation where you guys can continue to fish multiple leagues mm-hmm. at yes. once. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah. in other words, scheduling, where you could have a tour of events that you like. Back in, back in the day, BASS events, FLW events, many multi-tour pros, right? Oh, yeah. Many. Yeah. Look how great Hackney you know, did I, on that. I did it. You did, too. I did it. Jason Christie, Hackney. Ish Monroe. A bunch of us. Ish. Yeah. I mean, Ish, is the, Ish is the old warrior of doing it, you know? And sure. I mean, and, you know, and another thing that we're into all this and everything, you know, we've taken away this year, um, I say taken away, we've... FL, in FLW Tour next year, there will be co-anglers no more. And I pay due respect, I mean, to all co-anglers who have fished FLW Tour in the past. I mean, that that was Tour has been here forever, and we've had co-anglers forever, and they have been a strong part of getting this where it's at. But there is a time in a, in a professional sport to where – there's change that needs to be made. Yeah. And we're only talking about seven events that a co-angler is not going to be in. FLW has Costas and everything else. These guys have still got tons of opportunities to be co-anglers in. And it also, the way I look at it, there were some of these co-anglers that were so good, they need to be fishing the professional division of the Costas and yeah. the BFLs and things like that. That'll force the issue. And, you know, and this is a thing, back to what we're talking about, change. Change can be good to make things even better for everybody. This is one change that I think could be awesome to help move forward in the sport right here to where now – you have three true levels of pros fishing their way, and and I think it could be that. That's what I was just driving at while ago. Now you've got just a professional angler in the boat in major league. You've got them in the in the elites. Now you've got them in FLW. Yeah. So there's there's that competition against each other now to improve and make things even better for everybody. Sure. And so I, I think this is a great move for FLW this year. And believe me, I do respect every co-angler that's ever fished with us, and I hope you continue your career through the Costas. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I haven't heard it. I'm, obviously, they're going to do marshals, right? Yes, we're going to do marshals. Yes, and we've got a marshal program that's coming next year for the FLW Tour where there is going to be a tournament involved with these marshals. Right. They just oh, really? will not be making a cast. It's like a draw deal, right? Well, right. what's going to happen if, uh, say, I have a co-angler, I mean a co-angler, I have a marshal draw out with me tomorrow and I catch 20 pounds and he's with Justin Atkins to, tomorrow, and he catches 25 pounds. All right, mm-hmm. He fishes with me on day one, I catch 20. Fishes with Justin on day two, J2, uh, Justin catches 25. That guy's got 45 pounds. Gotcha. Okay. And that's how it's going to decide first, second, third, on down and everything. They're getting their huh. pros two days combined weight and still fishing for a – they're still – 
competing for a pot without making a cast. That makes it like our, a gambling thing. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah. And it's a learning experience. And a learning I like experience that. on top. How much, of that. Do you know how much they're gonna? I'm what, not what the sure. Gonna I'm be? not sure of all that right now, but um, but that <laughs> is the that is the deal. So it keeps not only does it keep that marshal involved, but like you said, it's a learning opportunity, and uh, it's going to make. Hopefully, it's going to make. I know the elites have had trouble getting enough, you know, marshals in the past and everything. Yeah. And like you said, change is good. We've tried. We're we're choosing this. It may be a change that even they make. This may be something that works to where our marshal problems are are solved. It just takes change to make all this stuff roll and work to the right way. Wait, I, this is just in from FLW right now in regards to the uh, to the co angler rule. The, the, as we stated, the co-anglers will not be able to fish, but they will be able to distract the professionals <laughs> by <laughs> by means of whistles, bullhorns, and fireworks. <laughs> whistles, bullhorns, and fireworks are allowed on the boats. So well, let me tell you one pro it will not distract. James Watson, he's an idiot. <laughs> he's got whistles, bullhorns, fireworks going those, on all the yeah, time. Yeah, those are in his ears they all the constantly time. Constantly humming. Constantly, the entire time. So, there's one idiot on tour that will not affect. <laughs> well, it, it was it was classic. Whenever I see Mark Rose look at James Watson, and I'm sure you've w- witnessed this. What what does Mark Rose do? Well, I've seen him look at James Watson before, just with a dumbfound face and stand there with no expression or nothing on his face and stare at him. I've seen him do it two different times, and the whole time I'm sitting here because Mark and I are super duper close, and I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder what's going through his mind. But this, I've never had the gut to ask. Thank him. you, Scott. It's the same thing. He gives him like a blank stare. Mark will stare down Watson, and then he just, and then he'll go. Watch my head. Yeah, yeah, and shake his head a little bit and walk off. <laughs> Gone. And I, I've just – I've witnessed it many times. I would love to know what's going through Mark's head, but I will not ask him because Mark is a uh, – Mark is a uh, true religion – religious, let's put it that way, a church-going guy. I mean, he is, he is an up-class person, and I would hate to put him in the opportunity of asking him something like that and him maybe – Cuss. Yeah, no, we wouldn't want so. that. He, 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 he did shock yeah. us last night in his AOI speech, though, when he actually said that he was considering buying a carton of Marlboro Lights because a certain other angler does so well when he smokes them. A couple. We know who he's talking about. It isn't Smokey the Bear either. It's Smokey Thrift. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Mark said that. I was like, wow. That oh, that's yeah, hilarious. so many fish caught with a Marlboro Light in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to have me a little talk with Mark because he's letting some of these bad things rub off on him. Oh. <laughs> you, you sleep with the dogs enough, you wake up with that's the fleas. Exactly. You know? Exactly right. I mean, I, let me tell you something. I was, I was, I had the pleasure of a couple of weeks ago. We were going to a uh, a two day drive. I was fixing to make to go to a uh, a uh, major league event. Mark had forgot to book his plane ticket. Oh no! And so I have to drive right by Mark's house on my way because I'm staying to fish another tournament. So. Mark calls me up out of the blue. What are you doing about getting to where we're going and everything? I said, I'm driving. I said, I can tell you how you can solve your problem. 
put your stuff in my rig and ride with me. Had the pleasure of me and Mark, which were already really, really close friends, but we, we rode for two solid days together on a journey across the United States. And, uh, hey, let me tell you something. You're talking about one classy person, whether it has to do a single thing with a fish or a family or anything, he is a number one in any no category. Doubt. I mean, class, 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 class act. There's no better way to get to know somebody than sit in oh, the car I know with him it. for two days. Get to sit with him, and let me tell you something. I saw him come real close to cussing. Did, did I'm not you? It lie almost about happened. It. Yeah, I want y'all to ask him about it when you get a chance because okay. – uh, <laughs> He, everybody that called him and everybody in a conversation he had and everything else, he got mad because when I get in a truck and I go, I go. And I went nine hours without stopping at a restaurant or anything to eat. And let me tell you something. He wanted me to hit a moose on the road so he could eat it. I mean. He was hangry. He told me, he said, if I see a streaking moose right now, I'm eating it. Done I, it. So, believe me, I was mud for a few days there. But, anyway, we got over it. We worked through our problem. That is awesome, man. Uh, Scott, dude, it is always a pleasure to have you uh, come sit in with us. And uh, in, uh, we always learn a lot and have a good time. It's more my pleasure. You know, we, always. So if you got a last word here for, for the bass fishing universe, in this time of change in the bass fishing world, what is those words? Well, I mean, how long do I have? Uh, you have 43 <laughs> minutes. Oh, do I? Yes. You know, here's my biggest deal. This is my only thing, and it's, it's kind of like preaching a, ser- a sermon here, but... For these new young kids coming up, these high schoolers, these college people, and even new new anglers that are just coming out, let's still keep this. Let's still remember what the word respect means to other anglers. Don't go in on them. Always, always honor somebody else's water. Don't do unto another that you don't want done to yourself. Golden rule. And that's a golden rule, and that's the greatest advice I can ever give you. Thank you. And tell them not to eat yellow snow also. Yeah, never eat yellow snow. There it is right there. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is Scott Suggs right there, FLW and MLF Tour Pro. Thank you again so much, Scott. Hey, I'm Pat Remwick, Ryan Whitaker, Andrew Ellenberger. Put the power poles down. Don't go nowhere. When we get back, it's more action from the 2018 Forest Wood Cup. Ciao. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Dance. No, just kidding. This is Pat. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to StrayCast on iTunes and leave a review. Tell us what you think. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Peace!